So yeah, I give myself the stupid name so that when I go back and uh, try to put these things together after, I can recognize which one it's for. <laughs> I figured you were coding them. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Because that that name is the first thing it'll put up there when I go through to put them together. Uh huh. So especially when in the way we were, uh, it was easier to spot it out. Okay, so um, welcome to the B Team Podcast. I am joined by Josh Krubner. Hello, My name is John Macy. Um, Brent tagged out as I don't think he felt he had a lot to add to our topic this evening. Um, what we're looking to do is, Josh, I know you'd said you did probably about six months worth of catch-up reading leading up to our uh, debut episode on Future State, so we figured some of that was probably worth covering. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually, I, I took a bunch of notes, I'm just pulling up my notes, and uh, we can jump into it. Yep. You, but, um, well, I mean, I read a lot more. I think of the four of us, I probably read the most current stuff, like when it comes out. So whatever you want to hit, uh, you go ahead and just start from the top of your notes. We'll go from there. Okay. Uh, let me just see. So, yeah, uh, we had talked about, you know, future state. And I figured, all right, I'll, I'll do some catching up on DC, caught up on DC and Marvel. And uh, that was about, I guess, two weeks ago. So I did everything from Spider-Man to some of the King in Black, um, Dark Knight's Metal. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hit a bunch of annuals, did Avengers, wanted to check out some of the... Uh, not so great titles over the last few years. I had a couple of the indie ones. Uh, so what is your, I guess, regular poll list? And what did you want to start with? Mostly, I'm mostly a DC and Marvel guy. Like the only stuff I read outside of that is like some of the licensed stuff, like the Star Trek stuff and the Doctor Who and all that. Like IDW puts out a bunch of Star Trek stuff now. Um, so, I mean, we can hit, I would say we, unless we had somebody here who was a little more indie slanted than I am, we should, should probably keep it to DC and Marvel for the most part. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Indy, I, I did a bunch of, you know, off the radar stuff. I checked out the latest Vengeance of Vampirella. Uh, it's still going strong. Uh, DC Marvel. So the big Marvel thing right now is King in Black. Uh, have you kept up with that? Uh, yeah. I'm actually, I've been reading the Venom stuff for a couple of years. Uh, I pretty much started around when uh, Rick Remender took it over and turned. Flash Thompson into like military venom. Oh, Agent Venom, um, yeah. That stuff was great. And yeah. then, you know, Cates is doing a decent job with it right now, but I I don't think this character really supports these events like this. Like that I, absolute carnage thing was garbage. I completely and, agree. Um, you know, I, I feel like Donnie Cates Venom started off great as a as a yeah. character thing, and then he went like a real Jeff Johns route and like Venom is just not a strong enough character to ground your universe on and especially center what we three events five events now I think I think this is the well I mean I don't really count that like those venomized things because oh, you have to say venomized and then the poisons and all yeah, that because to me those weren't line wide things like absolute carnage and King and Black are trying to be line-wide things, and right. to me, I mean, I like the character of Venom. I like that they've given, you know, Eddie Brock now is more than I just have to kill Spider-Man because everything in my life sucks. Which is, you know, if you listen to the uh, the review show I started doing, um, there have been new up issues of Amazing Spider-Man in the last two weeks with this big storyline with Harry Osborn, and it's like. I've been reading Spider-Man for like 35 years and Harry's still making the same fucking argument and it just yeah. drives me insane. Well, I mean, that's uh, unfortunately the, uh, the writing at Marvel just kind of circles the wagons and keeps yeah. doing the same shit over and over again. It's like, if it's old in the nineties, let's do it again. Yep. I mean, I, uh, he I hesitate to judge what King and black is going to be at this point. Cause I think it's only two issues in, but I also sort of object to like, and we've talked about this before. I can't remember if it made one of these or not, or maybe it was on the 
ones we did on Burt Ward's dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I know we have this discussion where I sort of object to events being just like build up for the next whatever the next event is. Yeah, like, definitely. Because to me, that you're you're supposed to let that event play out, and then you see what the effects on the universe are, and then eventually you you build up to another one. But the last couple of major events they've done, with a few exceptions, have just been like prologues to whatever the next thing is. Like that Civil War Civil War Two thing, which was awful, was all essentially just prelude to Secret Empire, which was actually decent. And then I feel like that absolute carnage thing that they just did was basically all just set up for this. And it's like, okay. Yeah, Marvel has been in uh, perpetual events for as long as I can remember. And I mean, it used to be, you know, once a year and then it went quarterly. And now it's like literally every like four weeks. It's just yeah, insane. The, the minute one ends, they're already on. The, they're setting up the next one and they'll only set up the next one for like a month. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I mentioned on, on the last show we did, we were talking about the boys, the uh, the Claremont documentary, uh, and they even they brought that up where he really wasn't the biggest fan of doing the crossovers. You know, he, he wanted to do, I think, the first one. And basically because they did Days of Future Past and it, it was so popular, then uh, it was him and Louis Simonson and the Senti. They wanted to do uh, what was the first one? Fall of Mutants. Yeah, and that of course went into or no, it was Mutant Massacre. Then it was Fall of Mutants, and of course my favorite with Inferno. Uh, and then it was just like every year, you know, the the Marvel brass was like, you have to do one. And now, like we said, it, it's like every four to six weeks. It's, it's nonstop. It's ridiculous. Events. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, and I mean, I know you've you've gone into a couple of this stuff on your review show. Just to give a quick recap, refresher for anybody listening, uh, King in Black is Marvel's event that they're centering around the new big bad in the marvel universe it's like this basically it's the primal symbiote who was the symbiote god null uh and they added this whole like almost religious uh lore backstory to, to the venom symbiote you know it used to be it was just this alien thing and then there was the planet of the symbiotes and we find out it's it's basically like an alien planet that's a biblical cage that was housing this entity and he was the living embodiment of the, uh, the all black and the, uh, the God slayer. Yep. Um, and it's actually the sword that was used to behead the celestial that became nowhere. So that I thought was cool. Yeah. Uh, but then like Jeff Johns, he just kind of ran it into the ground real quick. Uh, for me, it wore out either right before or during absolute carnage. And absolute carnage, you know, if it was going to be just Cletus Cassidy becoming like the god symbiote, that's one thing. But they brought back like everyone who was ever a symbiote. And you had Norman Osborn as Red Carnage. And then Normie comes in. It was just insane and not great. And then they, they brought back everything from Maximum Carnage. And it was like, all right, what are you doing? You're just retreading the same shit over and over. Uh, so King in Black, they basically were like, well we're going to make this the whole face of the Marvel universe and uh, everybody's going to fight this null guy. Let's see if we can put him, you know, on the level with, with a doom or Galactus or um, Annihilus. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Anybody like that. Um, I thought it was a cool character. Yeah. I thought the idea of, cause I remember in, in something leading up into uh, absolute carnage, they basically said that, Either Null or Null Symbiote was uh, the the Grendel monster from Beowulf. Okay. And I thought, oh, that was cool, and it was like that was an idea, and you know that was like pretty much as far as it went. And to stretch it to the degree that they have, uh, it does not work for yeah. me. I also think that because Kate's is also writing Thor right now, yeah, they tried to tie in something about like some sword that somebody had. I think it was Gore. In the previous, yeah, so it was the God Slayer sword. had a symbiote sword or, or something. The God Butcher, yeah, that that's basically what Null was. Yeah, was he came out of this sword. Yeah, where the sword was the first symbiote that bonded with Null. Yep. Um, yeah, so you know, I had kept up with most of the titles I was reading, and then uh, you know, basically Marvel events, and the last one they did before Absolute Carnage was, I think, I don't know what it was called, but it was something with Frost Giants. And oh, they brought back Malachi. That was, um, was fucking terrible. That was War of the Realms. 
That was it. Yeah. We had talked and about that made, at one uh, point. Gene like Foster and DeValkyrie, yeah. and they made, uh, what was it, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Cosmic Punisher? Yeah. Is, is Malekith the guy you want to build your, your, your like line wide event around? I still say no. Exactly. And, you know, for years, everybody would uh, rag on Thor the Dark World. I liked it because it's campy nonsense. But everybody would say, oh, Malekith is such a terrible villain. And I was like, if you read, you know, Walt Simonson's Thor, that is who Malekith was. He he is a one-dimensional comic book villain, mm-hmm. and that's his draw. He's basically like Skeletor, and uh, to try to to you know not even flush him out, but just make him the main focus of a, a line-wide event. Not a great plan. Yeah, I mean, and then you had that. I I don't think we've talked about this one anywhere. I think after that one, you had that Empire one, which was basically the uh, Avengers and the Fantastic Four teaming up to stop like the the Kree and the scroll were allies now and they were fighting some other race of plant people. And it was like, as I was reading it, cause I I'm a Marvel sheep. I blindly get all these things regardless. And as I was reading it, I was like, this is going to lead to nothing. And they're making me pay for it anyway. Yep. <laughs> um, and it really hasn't because they don't, they don't take the time to do anything. Like they don't allow these things to have time to show you what the ramifications are at all. Um, you said you'd done some Avengers recently, right? What are you seeing there? Uh, I just checked in on the last one because when the last time I read Avengers Steady, it was Jason Aaron, who really don't like much anything he's done outside of very little of his X-Men. Yeah. Uh, and he had brought in like the prehistoric Avengers and I thought that whole thing was just terrible. It It's not um, great. I don't, yeah. I don't, but I've read that whole run and he'll, there will occasionally be like interlude issues where you see more of that. And it's unclear to me what the point of that is going to end up being. Like when they first said they were doing that, I was like, oh, he's going to do a whole separate series about these prehistoric people being superheroes. Cool. Maybe I'll take a look at that. And then it was just, that never happened. And it just ended up being like, they'd show up every seven issues in his regular run and it makes no sense and whatever. Yeah. I mean, aside from from the fact that like the only thing I've ever really been able to take out of that is that Odin was fucking the Phoenix. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. So basically Jason Aaron is retreading, um, oh Christ, who did, uh, hearing Gillian and, um, I think it was Bendis, whoever did Avengers versus X Men, and uh, that had like you know, six now the, on it. Yeah, now now the uh, you know it was the Phoenix Five. You have Enter the Phoenix, and all the Avengers are, are you know going to become the Phoenix, basically. Yeah, I mean, as I said on my review show, because I did the first issue of that, I believe it was two weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of drops you in the middle of it with no explanation as to why you even gotten there. Um, well, I read the prologue, and that was that prehistoric Phoenix chick, and then the new one, it, it yeah, it just with drops like you right in the Cap and Doctor Doom fighting over Phoenix shit, like, okay. Yep. Which, by itself, was fine, but I read the whole thing going, like, please explain this to me. Why is this happening? Like, um, And I think, as much as I enjoy the Aaron run, I've also said this elsewhere, that, you know, I've always viewed, and I think especially Marvel views, the Avengers book as where, like, all the big universe shaking stuff happens and Aaron's run has had that, but none of it is reflected anywhere. Like they did this whole thing where there's like this civil war between the vampires and like Namor gets pissy again and wants to take over the surface world again. And the thing where Moon Knight goes crazy and takes over the entire world, like that stuff's all great. But then if you, if you, claim this is where all the big stuff happens and you don't show it occurring anywhere else. It doesn't seem as big as you want it to. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Uh, let's see what else I do. I did, uh, and I'd mentioned this before. Uh, so I read some of dark Knight's death metal. Cause again, it's just the, the branding is so confusing. I don't even know, you know, what comes in what order. Uh, so I did number six, which I think was the last one. And then I guess the tie-ins was Tales of the Dark Multiverse. And, of course, there was one about Crisis, so I read that. Yeah. And then I read another one. And um, 
the crisis one was okay. You know, they have the weird Wally West time displaced character who's like a, a knockoff of the one from Marvel vs. DC. Uh, I guess that was to try to set up Future State. Uh, the story itself was confusing. It was confusing the first time around. Um, you know, I, I thought the direction of having Wonder Woman be the one to save the day was interesting. Yeah. I I like that they, they brought back, you know, basically pre-crisis uh, Golden Age Wonder Woman to give her the little send-off. Nice. Yeah, I, I read that up until about issue four and then realized I, was like, I don't know or care any anything about what's going on in this. So, like... I barely got through uh, the previous one, which was what Dark Knight's Metal, and uh-huh. I just think Snyder. I mean, I I generally like Snyder's work, but I think with this in particular, he had his head so far up his own ass with the Batman Who Laughs junk that, like, every time the Batman Who Laughs showed up, I was just like, "No, get me out of here," because I hate. Yeah, he he definitely was uh, was married to that yep. character, and I mean, I, I think what's unfortunate by a lot of you know more recent writers um most of their characters that people really latch on to are basically just existing characters that they've you know they've reskinned and and re gimmicked basically yeah you know like if you want to make your own character great but the batman who laughs does not work unless it's a batman joker hybrid if he just made it like generic centibite people would have been like oh that's just a generic centibite right. so it's like um, can't steal too heavily from the thing you're stealing from <laughs> i guess right well and i mean that happens every like you know that's half of marvel's lineup right now and they, they still are yeah. trying to make uh spider gwen or i'm sorry ghost spider happen yeah well i think you know and i've always said this i think marvel has this delusion that and you know in a perfect world this would be great for the industry so maybe i understand why they keep trying to push it so hard but they have this delusion that the movies and the tv shows and stuff actually affect readership in some way and they don't i mean that i think they do for like people like us who are already you know waist deep in everything anyway like i i started reading way more dc than i would have after I started watching the CW shows, because I would watch the CW shows and go, "Oh, these characters are cool. I want more of this." You know, sure, yeah. But no, I don't think and, I don't uh, think your average person, which is who they're hoping to get to with a lot of this popular, the a lot of the me- the movies and the TV and stuff. I don't think the average citizen who doesn't already read comics is going to a shop and going like, "Yeah, I want to, I want to sample this." So the unfortunate thing there, and I've also been saying this for years, is they don't. Um, I guess it's an age thing. I guess it's a you know if, if you grew up with comics, or even if you know you got into them later in life, but just years ago, uh, for the most part, people getting into this stuff now through movies and TV, they they're not following it to go and look for the book. Uh, what was happening, and what was unfortunate, because this was the height of the bad years of Marvel. 2013 definitely the like 2017 they basically benched killed or retired all of their actual characters to replace them with uh awful facsimiles so you had you know parents of young kids going into comic stores saying oh my kid just saw the avengers he wants thor and they're like well here's jason aaron's thor it's jane foster and my kid didn't want that what about the Hulk? Oh, it's Amadeus Cho. And, you know, you get to that point, and parents are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just give me Captain right. America. And Sam and Wilson. Sam Wilson yeah. And they're like, all right, I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, the good thing about that is we definitely got the revival of all the classic stuff, the epic collections, the age collections with DC. Uh, I'd like to see more of that come out. Yeah. Hopefully they're going to finish at least the X-Men and Spider-Man, because I've been getting them all. Um but yeah, the the average person, you know, adults, college kids, high school kids, it's not like when we were kids. Uh, back on the website, you know, I, I wrote a whole thing when uh, the woman who owned the local comic store died. And, um, you know, I've been writing just the, the comic reviews and stuff. And I went on this whole like deep dive about, uh, you know, the, the state of the industry and, and the changing the culture and and how you know people just used to go to like comic stores and look through back issues and you know you you basically just found it all out on your own and now you can just go on the internet and you can either read stuff there or you can yeah 
find literally anything you ever wanted to see and go on YouTube. People read it to you. I mean, it, it's a whole yep. different world. I also think the other thing where Marvel sort of fails and like it always feels like they sort of always inevitably get back to the same old shit again is like through that same thing of like they actually think the the movies influence the readership in some way. Like around the time of a lot of these a lot of these bigger movies coming out, and I'll give particular examples, they had really interesting things going on with certain characters that they cut short because they were like, oh, well this movie's coming out, so we have to we have to put the original character back in the book now. Like when leading up to first Avenger coming out was when the winter soldier was captain America. And that was right. some of the best captain America stuff I've ever read in my entire life. And they cut that short because, Oh, first Avenger is coming out. So then we have to have Steve in the suit again, because otherwise nobody will read it. It's like, no, this is really good. What are you doing? And then the other one was, um, the Superior Spider-Man was cut short right around the time of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. And that was just starting to get really interesting. And they were like, oh, no, it has to be Peter again because, well, we have a movie coming out, I guess. Well, so Superior Spider-Man, you know, it definitely had a fan following. And I, I read it. Um, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was as good as everybody else told me it was. Um that was really just the sales, you know, at that point. I mean, that, it always happens with Spider-Man books. If they take Peter out, the sales start to tank. Yeah. And if they put him back in, you know, usually they, they put a new writer in and the sales come right. back. Um, I Maybe that did coincide with Spider-Man. Yeah, too, I mean, it was but, right um, within a... I, I know that that was more of a, a yeah, fan It was thing. right within as a couple as, um, of, uh... as far as As far as the MCU proper and all that, you know, Disney basically, once they bought Marvel, were it was the worst kept secret. And uh, the fact that people, you know, still A, debate it and B, deny it is, is insane. I mean, they, they basically issued edicts of, you know, the characters we don't currently have the rights to make movies of, bury them in the comics. And that's why, you know, they got rid of the X-Men, they got rid of the Fantastic Four, and they promoted the shit out of yeah. the Inhumans. Um, and you're right, around the, the phase one stuff, you know, they basically were doing that and bringing back the characters. And that continued even with the Guardians because, like, their whole look changed and then the book changed to reflect the characters in the movies. But then, like I said, that other stuff during the, the fun era of Marvel, uh, they basically had writers who were told, do your own thing. Um, and, you know, fans who wanted the, the characters that were showing up in the movies, they couldn't get them at that yeah. point. Yep. No, that's definitely... Yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind of the risky run when you're, and I guess both of these companies are technically run by giant corporations, really, but that's kind of the risky run when you have an entity that big that has other concerns with those properties in place. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so speaking of the uh, the shit piler himself, and I would say, you know, especially his Green Lantern, I'm, I'm still going back and getting the uh, streamlined trades of the ones that I've sold and we're selling. Uh, Jeff Johns finally put out three jokers and I finally sat down and read it. And, you know, obviously I'm not the, the biggest Batman fan and I am definitely not a, a post-crisis Joker fan for the most part. Uh, I love the first issue. Yeah. I was sort of in on the second issue. And then the third one, I was like, eh, it could have been better. It, it, so of all the things he's done that went on and on and on, Doomsday Clock, we're looking at you, this really should have been at least six issues. Yeah, I felt like it should have been longer, too. I mean, I almost wonder if all, because I think that sort of sprung out of the rebirth thing that was supposed to lead to Doomsday Clock. And then when, Doom, when Doomsday right. Clock got absolutely fucked, they were probably just like, oh, well, we have the art for this already. We have to put it out anyway. And I just think whatever it was going to be originally, they sort of backed off of that. And what they gave you wasn't terrible, but I feel like it could have been a lot more than it actually was. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if that was, uh, you know, pandemic related or it was uh, because they were doing Future State, which at the time was going to be 5G and they were told, you know, shut everything down, wrap everything up. We're going into this new thing. Uh, 
I got the feeling that he wanted to do more with it. And that first issue, you know, really shows because when he starts something and he's enjoying it, you can tell and you can tell he's he's positioning things that are going to pay off three or four issues down. And it just the second one felt really rushed. And then the third one, it was just ended up yeah. a whimper. Um, I did like the the final button ending. I kind of saw it coming, but it was good. Um, but Jeff Johns, man, I mean, he just the, the way he writes believable character dialogue has, you know, definitely captured the relationships of all the characters. You can tell he's a fan, definitely going way back. A lot of his stuff is Silver Age, pre-crisis, and then he just puts it in the modern and makes it, you know, great. I actually head. wish they'd um, take him off all these TV shows and movies and shit and let him write comics. Yeah, that, putting him in that spot was like the worst thing because he's just this figurehead and he, you know, promotes shit that he, half the time he doesn't have a say in. And uh, But he wanted to do Stargirl. He got it off the ground. And, you know, that first season was fairly good. And definitely the uh, the pilot was great. Yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, so Three Jokers, what were your thoughts I read on that? that? I read what that a while story? ago uh, just because I read that as it came out. And I think that was a good couple months ago now. But uh, I liked it, but I was also kind of – because my starting point for Batman was, and I have gone back since this and sporadically picked up pre-Flashpoint stuff, but my my starting point for Batman was the new 52, as it was for a lot. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I actually didn't know that. Cause, um... I mean, a lot of my, my DC stuff started with that, and then the stuff I've liked from that, I've gone back and tried to pick up some of the earlier stuff. But, like, I didn't really get, like, the... Like, so one of them was supposed to be, like, the 80s version, I guess. And then one of them was obviously the Snyder one with the fucked up face. And then I can't even remember who the third one was. So I'll give you the, the crash course, and I'll walk you through some of the fill-in-the-blank stuff you might not know. Um, so obviously, you know, it, it was the three. And then as the story goes on, we, we find out that it's way more than three. And, you know, let's say probably, like, 50 to 100. Uh, and it's just various, you know, recognizable iterations of Joker. Some of them were, you know, Easter egg fan service. Like there were there were a couple nods to Elseworlds ones and you know, definitely non-canon ones. Um, so I didn't realize that, that your jump on point with Batman was New 52. And for the most part, you know, definitely the Snyder stuff was uh, was interesting. I know a lot of people really liked it. I like some of it. Um, I was never a post-crisis Batman fan. I've always been a Bat Family fan with Batgirl, with uh, you know Dick Grayson. Um, that goes back to pre-crisis because Batgirl originally was Betty Kane, who in the post-crisis pre-Flashpoint is now Flamebird. Um, you know, most people wouldn't even know who the hell she is. She was basically just created as a girlfriend for Robin, and she's just a blonde girl in this terrible outfit. And then they brought in Batwoman. And the reason was the guy at the time was like, you know, people think Batman and Robin are gay, <laughs> women with them. Uh, and that was the end of the golden age of the 40s into the 50s. And then, you know, obviously in the 50s, you're in the Silver Age. So I love Silver Age, Batman and Robin. I'm waiting for that to come out still. But even the end of the 40s is really good. And it's just this nonstop camp. And that all leads up to the, the TV show. But most of that, you know, it moves away from the detective stuff. You got a lot of stuff with Robin and the Teen Titans. It's more kid-friendly. There's a lot of shit in broad daylight. They're driving around in a ridiculous Batmobile that has, like, a face on it. Um, the Joker isn't really any kind of, like, a, a major player. He's still the uh, clown prince of crime. He's knocking over banks. So then the Batman TV series, the Adam West one, comes out in 66. At the time, the Riddler is the primary villain. The Joker is just like basically a gangster. He's Cesar Romero. Like, you know, everybody looks back at it now, and I think it was more from the 89 Nicholson performance that everybody gravitated towards the Joker. And then in comics, it was, you know, Alan Moore's killing joke. And then, of course, Mark Hamill in right. the animated series. But at the time, the, the Joker wasn't any kind of major player. You know, he was known for being a Batman villain for, for decades at that point. But he was just another one of the, the rogues gallery. He had Joker, he had Penguin. So Riddler really takes the focus on the show. And then uh, basically they added Batgirl to the TV show. Uh, I don't remember if it was a rights thing or it was a ratings thing, but they, they did that and then they brought her in simultaneously in the comics. And, you know, fans loved her immediately. So they moved 
away from Batman and Robin, you know, Dick Grayson visibly or visually rather grows up. And that was something that hadn't really happened in the comics. You know, when he first shows up, he's a real, real little kid. And then by like the forties, he's still a little kid, but they're drawing him to look a little bit older. All of a sudden, you know, Dick Grayson, there's, there's illustrations of him and he's, he's like, you know, 28 and he's still wearing the hot pants and he's away at college and he's, he's doing his own thing. Um, so they, they basically moved Robin out of the Batman books. They had Batgirl come in for a while and then they kind of put her on the back burner. And then moving into the seventies, they started doing this really dark Batman. And that's when you get your, your nighttime thing and it's more detective. It's more like uh, pulpy. Then you bring in Denny O'Neill and uh, Neil Adams. And um, they, they started doing these really mature stories. So that's where that first Joker comes in, who was basically, you said, the 80s Joker. He's the one that shows up in Crisis. And he's, you know, the one they called the gangster. He's basically the inspiration for the Nicholson character. You know, they never came out and said, like, oh, it's a different person. They just started writing him to be a little bit more serious. He starts killing people. He's, he's doing more than just, you know, wacky hijink shit and, and putting his smile on fish. Um, so then that's the end of the whole pre-crisis thing with post-crisis because you already had the killing joke. And then, like, immediately you have the um, animated series. They move more in the direction of that Joker. And that was the one that they called the comedian. And they basically set up this whole backstory for him that he's like this clown. Now, I know I, I posted this in, in the group. We've talked about it, I think. And uh, it's definitely in my, my BVS review, if that's still on the site. The Golden Age Joker, you know, he obviously was the Red Hood at one point. And that was a, a character that, that showed up over and over again. And then one day they just, you know, they're like, who is Red Hood? Oh, it's really Joker. Um, so they, they show his origin. And it's basically that, like, he was set up to rob a bank as the Red Hood. He swims through toxic waste, and he gets out, and it turned his skin white and his hair green. And he's looking in a mirror, and he goes, well, now I look like an evil clown. The joke's yeah. on me. And it's just like this campy throwaway panel. And it's like, you know, that's the, the origin of this, this mythic villain that, like, everybody loves now. Uh, so John's worked that into the thing, you know, with the gangster and then calling back to the original there were some allusions to the the weird supernatural stuff that Snyder did in um, you know New Fifty Two. I believe it was called the End Game. Um, oh yeah, that and, stuff where uh, Batman then, and Joker killed each other and then were somehow resurrected by some weird thing. Yeah, that that whole weird thing. And then you know Jim Gordon takes over. Oh with, yeah, like with the robot bunny. suit with the bunny ears. <laughs> yeah, that was so bad. Oh, it was awful. Um, but. And then uh, who who was the third one? It was the the gangster. I don't know what comedian. they called it, but the third one was the Snyder one with the face ripped off. It was the one sure. with the face ripped off because yeah. I know he showed up. I'm, I'd know. have to go back and look at it again, but I'm pretty sure whether he just shows up in it, or I, I'm pretty certain he was the third one. But I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. So yeah, basically what they set it up was like the the primary one, the the most. Uh, you know, threatening one that's always been over the years is basically the comedian, and um, you know he. We we find out that Batman has yeah. always known who he was, which completely uh, contradicts the whole. What was it? The the Justice League uh, anti monitor. Oh, the Dark Side Dark War, Side where, War. That, where they first. Where where like he he gets the. Uh, that's the where they first chair, give you the idea and, of multiple Jokers, yeah. Right, because he he asks who is the Joker, and then like the chair is like there's yeah. three of them. So you know, I mean, it, it was a total Batman thing to say and do, where he's like, "Oh, I always knew who it was," but that was literally yeah. the entire basis for the story. So now here's another really DC thing of recent vintage that's been bothering me, and I know we've talked about you know sure. you're not the biggest fan of Bendis' Superman work, right? But they did that whole thing yeah. recently where he outed himself. And it seemed to go nowhere. Yeah. So, like, why? So, the short answer is, and, and, you know, we said a little bit about this with Bendis. I don't believe him. Uh, and I know a lot, especially these comic pros, you know, a lot of them are, are hyper, hyper political. And for the most part, they always were. Uh, their work 
reflected it, but it definitely didn't used to suffer. And, you know, we can debate if it does or it doesn't. I would say for the most part, the ones that are very, very not hiding it at all, a lot of their work suffers. As far as Bend is, I never got the sense that he really cares. You know, I'm sure he leans in the direction that most of them do, but I don't think he takes yeah. it oh so seriously. He's more like a, um, you know, these these comedians that, that are still offensive, yeah. but they're on that side and they, they, you know, they push the envelope. And then when people finally push back on them, they're like, what, me? You know, like Ricky Gervais. And then, you know, obviously they pushed him too far. And he's like, well, now yeah. I'm on my own. So fuck you guys. Um, so with Bendis, you know, he used to do some almost Garth Ennis level stuff. Like if you go back and you read his, you know, Marvel oh, Max, yeah, that stuff's great. Jones, and, you know, he would do some, some raunchy, really hard R stuff that is... Very did different. You, did from you what know he that now. he originally um, pitched that as a Spider Woman book, and they would not let him do that, yes. so he made up Jessica Jones. Yes, because he he wanted um, you know Jessica Drew, and they were like, "You can't have her." So he's like, "All right, well." Uh, Even though you know, no one else was doing anything with her at the time, you can't do that. <laughs> Spider Woman and. Uh, Wonder Man have always been a, you know, yeah. rights issue back and forth that Marvel has basically just held on to right. so that DC see, can't. See, the, and, the problem uh, I have with Bendis with DC is that I always thought his best Marvel work was when he was taking, like, lesser-known characters and making them a big deal. Like, his... His yes, Avengers work, I mean, he, they obviously, when he was doing that, they tried to turn the Avengers into the Justice League, and I think they largely succeeded with that. But he also made Luke Cage and Spider-Woman, like, a big deal just by having them in that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, so he, yeah. he's always loved Spider-Woman. I mean, that's why she's Carol. best friends with uh, yeah. with Jessica Jones. But, yeah, his, his new Avengers and all that, I mean, he, he put all those, like, you know, basically D-list characters yeah. that most people hadn't and even like, heard about. The Sentry was nothing. And made, made them into yeah. a viable And I team. mean, yeah. to give him, and you know, maybe where he is now, he can get away with this, but like to give him what I would consider to be at worst DC's number two character and be like, okay. And then he just kind of does nothing for 30 issues, I think it was. Right. So basically what I was getting at is uh, I, I don't really believe him. I think he just goes whichever way the wind is. And he's been doing that for a while. Um, you know, there's a push to basically bury Superman and to to get hyper political and, and, you know, talk about things like the American traditionalism, and you know, true justice, the American way is outdated. And, you know, we have to look at, you know, journalists in a new light and you know, basically the idea that like the Clark Kent of the 30s, the 50s, the 70s wouldn't work today. So he wanted to, you know, basically uh, make him vulnerable, even though right. he always has been. And, um, you know, well, what way do you do that? If you're not going to go after his family, you go after okay. his identity. It, I guess know? that's what he was trying to do. I mean, do. it's something they've done before. They've they've written themselves out of it before. I'm sure they, yep. they can if they but, had like, to. I... But like, I... Uh, I, I was yeah. not in on his Superman I mean, I read, from day one. You know, I've pretty much read every one of the mainline Superman books since New 52, and as much as I didn't really like a lot of the New 52 stuff towards the end, that story they did through the Superman line where Lois Lane outs him and then he has to deal with that was way better than anything Bendis tried to do with this half-ass, like... I'm going to still be Superman, but I'm basically going to start going by Clark Kent just so I can give some flowery speech that I read like five times and I still can't figure out if it means anything or not. <laughs> you know, so I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like you said, they, they did that story again very recently and it yeah. was, you know, better. And I don't credit New 52 for a lot, but I'll give them that. Um. Was there anything else you wanted to uh, bring up there? Oh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, just moving on. Uh, so I, I went through a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and one of the things I like to do, because, you know, people always say you can't just jump into a comic and read something. I know Brendan always gives me shit about that. It's like, oh, you know, I've been reading comics my whole life. I can pretty much jump in and, 
I know the characters. I can figure out what's going on, even if I'm not up to date. Uh, so Justice League is doing this endless winter thing. I jumped on that and I was like, not having it. Uh, I've never been a Grant Morrison fan. I've never hidden that. Uh, so I haven't kept up with his Green Lantern. And uh, I checked out the most recent one and I'm like, yep, that's uh, that endless Grant winter Morrison thing was you. better than anything in fucking death metal. But that's just about, that's just about well, all I'll give know. it. I mean, Death Metal looks like a uh, an action figure toy chest uh, that somebody just smashed <laughs> yeah. everything together. Uh, I read the most recent Nightwing. I guess he's yeah. back, so that's good. And now he's going back to Bloodhaven. So it's like, oh, we just reset right. the last twenty years. You didn't miss anything. Yeah, they he's uh, some of the the Rebirth Nightwing was pretty good. I have a bunch of those, but um, uh, you know, the next stuff I'm going to flip as soon as it goes out of print is pretty much all the Rebirth and. New 52 and some of New yeah, 52 is already the, going. Actually, New 52 was also my starting point for Nightwing. I remember liking a lot of that initially because it was at least tied into the Court of Owls stuff that was going on at the same time. Like he was supposed to be a Talon. Yep. And I mean, that stuff was really cool. Yep. And uh, yeah, that yeah, is that a character that I'm afraid they're going to sideline again uh, with everything that's that we've talked about going on with their print line. I just wouldn't be surprised if, you know, six months into this infinite bullshit or whatever they're calling it, they'll just turn him into a backup somewhere. I mean, you know, Dan Didio had been trying to kill him for how many years and, uh, they, they just, they don't know what to do with him and they just, they'll keep making Robins and keep phasing him out. And I heard now, you know, Damien's going to have his own persona. So, it's another graduated Robin, and they'll fill the spot with somebody yeah. else. And just well, he's even had sidekicks now that aren't even Robins, like that the signal and all that stuff. I mean, and that yep. stuff's fine, but I mean, how many? I remember people, and I didn't really care as much because, like I've said already, I mean, New Fifty Two was my DC starting point pretty much, and I remember a lot of people bitching mm -hmm. that like you're trying to tell me he's had all these Robins in a five year span. You know, because that was kind of the yeah that that whole timeline for New Fifty Two was like the worst thing they did because it's like oh well we need everybody to be twenty it's like you should have yep. made Batman thirty then <laughs> um but yeah no so if that's definitely your your jumping on point I have a lot of stuff that I can recommend to you for for catch up uh, definitely post uh, post crisis pre been, uh... flashpoint. Um, the, the entire Batman and Robin run, I want to say it was oh, Dick and Grant Morrison. Yeah. I've read, I've read that. And Dick and Damien. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. I was just, that that, was that's really good. That's um, a good place to start. Uh, but yeah, so going, going down the line, you know, I was catching up on some of the, the, the best, the worst, uh, read the latest issue of the perpetually canceled Magnificent uh, Miss Marvel. Uh, I thought it was hysterical because they put in the thing like we made it to seventy-five issues. Yeah. I mean, total. Uh, well, now they have canceled now they have that convenient excuse of like they use they use the quote-unquote legacy numbering in the corner and really small print, so like they can still acknowledge like right. whatever the larger number is. And I don't know how accurate a lot of it is, or it's just what they choose to canonize or not. I mean, you know, on my review show, I think the first week. I was saying I think Wolverine 8 came out. It was actually like Wolverine 300. So they charged an extra dollar for it. And it was one of those bullshit stories about like, here's some other crappy thing from my past that you've never heard about. Whoopee. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's their go-to with Wolverine. Um, then I read this Marvel Action yeah. Chillers. Um, they've got some weird... New take on Elsa Bloodstone, and she's paired up with Cap, and they're they're going after the vampires, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess Elsa yeah, Bloodstone. Yeah, will show up every again. once in a while when uh, they try to do like supernatural shit. Um, yeah, I've never been a, a Hickman fan. You know, I didn't like his Fantastic Four. I know other people do. Uh, I'm not in with his X Men. But I caught up on that, and I caught up on New Mutants, and I'm yeah. sticking with that, unfortunately. That goes through so periods. I, mean, the pro I think the thing that – and now that the, the Hickman X-Men line's in far enough, I mean, a lot of it's at, like, 1920 at this point. 
I think one of the things they're doing is like mm. because all of the mutants are in one place, they don't feel the need as much to stick to like you know, every book has a set cast or whatever. You can just have anybody show up anywhere. Um, well, my my issue with the Hickman X-Men, aside from the fact that it was the ultimate cop-out to literally bring back any characters yeah. ever died, ever. Um, and, you know, I mean, totally erased the, the last five years of X-Men, any consequence. And even some of those, they, they just killed off right. unceremoniously anyway. But, um you know, there's, there's like two places they can go with it. Either the utopia thing, you know, not the, the regular utopia, but this this new Kakoa one, this utopian society they've built up. Uh, obviously, it's too good to be true. It's all going to come crashing down. They're probably going to end up fighting the Avengers or something. Or the obvious of, you know, they're really the villains or, you know, Xavier's really the villain. And I, I mean, it's definitely not anything that I would want from the X-Men. It's not what the X-Men Xavier does really come about. off really creepy. Uh, you know, there's been so much better storylines with, you yeah. know, actual Utopia, um, you know, the, the whole West Coast team. And then um, I don't even want to give this props, but X-Men Red, which which was god-awful. It's even worse than the uh, all-new Wolverine you're up to. Um, basically, he has Gene form her own society and like take on the world and you know it's a very on the nose horribly written question of you know well, who is gene to do this and you know what is their place in the world and it, it's kind of the same yeah. thing but you know i don't want to say done better but done uh i remember so that reading that and thing. that was right around that was right around the time of the the original five the original five going away and they had done that whole like Phoenix resurrection little story that was supposed to lead to her coming back. And it does. And then I feel like that whole X-Men red book came out of, okay, well we did this whole event to bring her back. Now she's actually got to do something. So we're going to come up with this cruddy book that yeah. she's going to be in front of. Um, the one thing I will say, like you're right about the resurrection thing, kind of changing the stakes a lot, but I almost feel like that's, you know, the the turning point of whatever this whatever Hickman is gonna do with this line, I think the turning point is gonna be at some point that that's gonna go away. Like they're gonna get too complacent as a result of it. They're gonna start pissing a lot of people off, and then the rest of the Marvel universe is gonna go to war with them, and suddenly it's gonna be taken out, taken away from them. Oh yeah, definitely, and I'm sure that'll be like you know the big event, yeah. uh, five big events. But yeah, that. I mean, I'm I'm largely impressed with a lot of that line. I mean, I do think they're running the risk of just having it be like too much at once, and it's only really going to appeal to like maniacs like me who just want to read all of it just because it's there. Because um, I think that's a smaller percentage than they would hope it is. Um, and I mean, yeah. I've mentioned it on my review show like that Hellions book I personally don't like that at all because it's all a bunch of characters I don't really care about it's like a bunch of sea villains and Havoc and Psylocke running around doing like awful shit yeah Hellions always was I mean it was like the uh the exterminators yeah. so I mean like I'm curious to see where what Hickman's endpoint for this is um I do think it's a it's a cleaner read than a lot of his Avengers work was, which, you know, they had that period a couple of years ago where he had Avengers and new Avengers. And it was just a bunch of like, you know, different realities and convergences and, and universal math. Yeah. I mean, so I was just saying that was all basically set up for uh, the, yep. the secret wars. And that was just like, I can't, I, this just makes my brain hurt. It's nice to look at, but I can't, I can't think about this. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so a book that I want to say I, I read last year, maybe the year before it all blushed together. Uh, you know, one of my all time favorite writers, Peter David, was doing uh, Symbiote Spider-Man. So this is a story that's set while he still has the symbiote suit. And you know, I don't know if you've read those stories from the time. It was mostly uh, 
There's Web of Spider-Man. Spectac- I read them as a 10-year-old. Uh, this goes into, like, the... Yeah, so, so like, around the time of, like, the uh, the death of, uh, you know, uh, Gene DeWolf and all that, um, so the, the suit would basically go out at night as Peter, and he would, like, be asleep. He wouldn't really know what's going on. So Peter David brought this back and was writing, you know, if it was set in that time period... And it was really good. Um, added a little bit onto like the you know established canon lore that like you know couldn't have exactly happened. Like Mysterio got the symbiote suit at one point in the past. Uh, now they're doing a King and Black tie-in, and we find out that there's like this whole run-in with Null and and all the King and Black stuff set during that time oh. period we've never seen before. And then, I mean, but Peter David's writing is still great. The the art yeah. in this book is incredible. It's um, I think it's Greg Land, and um, you know the dialogue, everything is top notch. But the storyline is is ridiculous. And in the most recent one, it's like when Ned Leeds might or might not have been the Hobgoblin, and uh, he was missing, and then he comes back wearing the costume, and he's like going after Betty Brant and Jonah Jameson while Ooh. wearing the, the symbiote suit. I just don't understand why Peter David ever stopped doing X-Factor. Oh, really? That's they bounced bad. him. Yeah, but they, Peter David has been habitually just, you know, shit upon his entire career. You know, when he's hot, he's hot. And then, like, something happens, he either pisses people off, or they're like, alright, we're going to the next one. And then they just bounce him. And, uh, you know, sometimes he's not oh, yeah. the greatest, and that but was, he's, I mean, on, his, he's on. His X-Factor investigations run, I probably read that once every two years on principle. His his X-Factor's great. His Hulk was great. His Supergirl is, I think, the best thing he's ever done. I'm a huge, huge fan of his Fallen Angel, yep. which went to IDW. Um, you know, yeah. he's, he's great. Uh, all right, so let's see. I can skip over most of this. Uh, I did read the newest Grim Fairy Tales. I keep up with the Xenoscope stuff. It's all right. You know, they're setting up their own thing. I have no idea. Yeah. They're still running. It's got to be more than you or they'd be out of business. Um, I mean, they pretty much are, but, you know, they, they never were a volume company. Uh, and when, when they were really on, they, they were turning them out like crazy. But uh, I read the latest Star Wars. I'm so far Vader. behind on that stuff. It wasn't anything special. I have it all, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not updated at all. I do think, you know, I think they do the best they can with that stuff within probably the constraints they're given, but a lot of it's not great. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, Uh, Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? You know. Probably not anything we haven't already hit in other places. I mean, I did see today that they're, they're. I think the one thing that I have noticed, Marvel wise anyway, because that t- tends to be where I land primarily, is they seem to think this idea of like rehashing old events with new versions of the characters is somehow good. Like, like Civil War Two, yeah. I could do like if we ever did. I know I've thrown out the idea of doing like these podcasts on like retro comic runs, you know. And if we ever decided to do Civil War Two, I could go on about just how completely ridiculous that entire thing was. Turns Carol Danvers into a massive fucking villain, way more than Tony ever was after yeah. the original one. I mean. She basically beats him to death. She, she beats Tony Stark to death, and like yep. no one. Cares. Yep, and, and, and like she gets no like one five cares. Like, she and, gets yeah. Rhodey killed at the very beginning, and it's like, and then she beats Tony Stark to death, and it's like, why does no one care about this? Like, shouldn't she be in prison? Um, so I mean, I and then yep. I saw the other day that they're gonna do, they're gonna do a clone saga with Miles Morales, and it's like. Do we really need to do oh, this? Not. This book is fine. Like, do we really need to, you know, it's just an enjoyable little book about a teenage kid trying to be a superhero. Do we really need to do this? I mean, they, they will never yeah. stop trying to make Miles Morales happen. You know, when they force them into. Yeah. Absolute I mean, I think it's worked to an extent. And like, I get, 
you know, and you could you could argue that this is just PC as anything else that Bendis has done lately, but you know, he has adopted minority kids. And I think part of his his uh, his mindset for creating that character was, you know, I want somebody that my kids can look at and go, hey, that's me, you know. And oh yeah, no, I, I have no problems with Miles Morales as a character. The you know the the pushback on Miles is that he's fucking boring, and you know again, it's if you want to make a character, yeah. create your own character. You know, people will say like, oh well. You know, Gwenpool is just a Deadpool ripoff. Well, she's not. It was a joke, and it was a variant cover. Uh, but then they wrote her as her own character, and, like, her main thing is that, you know, she's actually nothing like Deadpool, and the few times that she's actually partnered up with him, like, they, they fight about, you know, her name and, and how they are nothing like, and, you know, yep. they, they make the other one look bad. Uh, and the, the writing for her is, is great in the books that are good, um, but with Miles, it's like you know, you're you're just doing another Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, you know, he, you there's a character there, but the one they have is a just another Spider-Man, and I'm definitely one of the ones. Yeah, he's just so fucking boring. I mean, the the, the quintessential Miles sucks as a character that I would point to is when they did the Generations book. Uh, for the most part, I was not a fan of that book. The event was an event, event, I guess. Uh, there were a few stories that were really good. The the Sam Wilson one was great. The um, the Hulk one was pretty good. But the Miles Morales one, he goes back to the Spider-Man No More, and he basically is just like hanging out in Peter's apartment, and Peter falls asleep, and Miles has like an internal soliloquy about you know how tired peter was and how like he had all this weight on his shoulders and it's like this is the most on the nose unsubtle nonsense and all it is is miles whining about how peter's better than him yeah when peter is at his literal lowest point it's like this is not how you win us over on miles whereas the other ones even the god-awful kamala khan one where they paired her up with you know 70s uh carol danvers that at least was, you know, her saying, I'm my own person and, you know, you can learn from me, I can learn from you. And that's actually something they did in Green Lantern, uh, you know, post-crisis Green Lantern 100, where a very new and relatively inexperienced Kyle, who had only faced Hal as a villain, and at that point Hal had actually died in, uh, in Final Night when he redeemed himself, uh, he meets up with, you know, basically Silver Age Hal. And they have like a whole little buddy cop thing. And then Hal gets thrown into the future. And whereas in the, in the past, he's learning from Hal fighting Sinestro. And then in the future, Hal's learning from him. And it, yeah. it's called Emerald Knights. And it's, it's fucking great. Hmm. And like, that's what those stories could have been, should have been. I think but the that problem with Miles now, post Secret Wars at least, is that, you know, I've read all the actual Ultimate books that he was in too. Like, I've read everything. And the mm-hmm. the problem I have with him now is that in the ult- the way they set that character up in the Ultimate Universe, Peter's not around, so he gets to kind of you know he doesn't have that to deal with. Like he just he's taking over for him basically because he's dead. But in but in the six one six universe, right. whatever fucking number they assign to them these days, it's like whatever they try to do with him he's always going to come off like a sidekick because Peter's still around. They're never going to, yes. they're never going to get rid of Peter in the main universe long enough for miles to stand on his own in any way. Right. And the analogy that I would always use for, you know, the Spider-Man supporting cast is if you look at Ben Riley now, the, the good and the bad, um he's basically you know almost like a red hood i obviously i know you know bucky's winter soldier was more red hood but you know in in that family uh dichotomy yeah ben riley would be the the red hood if you look at miles he sure as shit isn't dick grayson and he definitely is not tim drake and they're trying to make him be tim drake and he just comes off as like yeah i I don't even know. 
happy. He's Luke Fox, basically, you know, and it's not because of his skin color. It's that's how one dimensional yeah. and just yeah. fucking lame. No, he I'm is. definitely with you on that. And I mean, did you say that you'd actually read some of the future, the future state stuff or no? Okay. Uh, yes, I started it. I read the, um, let's see. I read the Wonder Woman. Apparently, apparently that's the thing they're going to get a CW show and... out of. Well, because, you know, they're trying to push Nubia, who has been around forever. And, um, you know, all of a sudden people are, are like finding out yeah. about her and they're like, oh, well, Nubia, you know. Uh, and then I read the next Batman. So the Wonder Woman one was really good. The art okay. is incredible. Um, you find out that basically. No, you're not. Well, you're, you're not have you read spoiling this one? anything for me because I, for I tapped out at the price points for a while. Because a lot of when I was looking through those okay. solicits in January and February, I was like, you're seriously going to tell me that a lot of these are $8? Really? No. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty insane. So yeah, the, the the Wonder Woman one is basically setting up like who would be the next Donna Troy. Uh, it's going to go more into the lore. The next Batman is uh, you know the whole thing. Remember with the the solicits was like anchored yep. on Batman and something happened and all that. Um, it's basically just the guy in a Batman costume. And we don't really know why. We don't really care. Yeah, it's uh, like one of you know who it is, Fox's right? Kids. Yeah. So you know, we we saw that one coming. He he fights a bang gang. Um, it's basically like the um Batman Beyond when when Terry McGinnis goes and fights the Jokers, but it's you know yeah. So the Jokers, Man. it's the Banes. There's an older Bruce Wayne, and he's, you know, upset. Um, yeah, nothing great. Um, I did not read the uh, Robin Eternal yet or the the Batman Dark Detectives. Okay. I'm going to check those out. Uh, I believe Robin Eternal follows Tim Drake, so I guess he's back. You know, last I saw, they had, like, mm -hmm. pretend killed him off. Um, that he one was the in, only one that I was actually looking forward to because I know Stephanie Brown's in that. She's older. He was she's in like the uh, most and, recently, you know? I believe. He was in the uh, Bendis Young Justice, um, and he basically stopped going by okay. Red Robin and just his code name was Drake. And he, and he just walked around with a brown costume. That, oh, he right, just walked around in a brown that. costume that, that looked ridiculous. like someone shit on it, and it's like. And they used, they were openly making fun of the outfit yeah. in the book. It's like, really, okay. Otherwise, a solid read generally. Oh, and the uh, Batman uh, Dark Detective. This is the Mariko Tamaki oh, yeah. one. So You're I'm not a fan of her, right? Read this later. Oh no. Yeah. Well, I speaking mean, I'm, of I'm uh, Ben Riley, you know, um, he shows up in the latest issue of Cantwell's Iron Man uh, basically as like a, a part of a B team that Tony hires to help him out with the quarterback thing and he basically gets jobbed out like immediately I was so pissed so the last time that I saw Ben Riley was when they did yeah that was the last time and then they gave him he had like a 25-issue solo series out of that where he was trying to make up for a lot of the stuff he had done as the Jackal. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, yes. Peter David, I think. Yeah, yeah. Some Peter David's got a pretty high-quality bar for them. So. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, the last thing that I would shout out it's definitely uh, Comics Gate. It's it's from Iconic, but oh man, is it good! I went through the uh, it's called the, the Walmart Trilogy. This is one of the uh, over the top parody okay. satire Trump comics. Uh, it was oh, originally My Hero Magademia. It's based on My Hero Magademia. It's drawn in the you know the manga 
style and all that. Uh, the writing is it's top notch. You know whether you align on that side or not. If you've been paying attention, especially to comics and you know, a little bit with politics over the last five ten years, it's worth checking out. Uh, and then the sequel spinoff of that, one of the characters uh, was a, a Carol Danvers parody called Warhead. Uh, and then she has to change her name because she's going to be sued by basically Marvel. Uh, so she becomes Comic America, A-A-M-E-N. And the joke is that, you know, it's a common superhero name. Oh, so they yeah. can't sue her for the trademark. Uh, and then they're setting that up to be yeah, like this universe-wide Sailor that. Moon parody. And it's yeah, just, it's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah. So I, I would definitely recommend those. Oh, great. Uh, other than that, well, I'm glad we had a chance to have out. this talk, and we'll we'll get this out to the public soon enough. So, you too, man. Sounds good. Have a good Excellent. one, buddy.